0: Good morning, church. Really good to see you. Look like y'all had an extra an hour of sleep. You, you're looking good. That'd be great if we got that every Sunday, another extra hour of sleep. Of course, we'd all be walking around in the dark before long, but it'd come back around. But uh, Well, hey, uh, we're in a series going through the book of Romans. And, of course, the central theme of Romans is the good news of the gospel. And it's a story about what's wrong with the human race and the world and and what God has done to put it right in Jesus Christ. That's where the good news comes in. And that's why Romans is often referred to as the basic handbook for Christianity. Because it's in reading that that we're able to work through the most, some of the most important and most pressing questions ever considered in the human race. Uh, and with meticulous logic, the Apostle Paul shows us that the gospel is the answer to our questions. And the only real solution to our problems. And those answers and those solutions are so good and transformational that we've titled our series in Romans, the goodness and power of the gospel. You'll recall uh, the last five, six weeks here, chapters one through three of Romans, Paul goes into great detail explaining how every human being has a sin problem. Uh, It's not just a Gentile, non-Jewish problem, uh, but a universal problem. And Paul levels the playing field uh, when he explains that, hey, we've all sinned. You have, I have, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's holy, perfect standard. And that's that God is holy. And since we're not, our sin separates us from God. And as we move into today, chapter four, Paul answers two questions, very important questions. How how can we be made right with God? And number two, how can anyone actually know they'll go to heaven. Can anybody actually know that? You know, there are some folks who they've attended church their entire life but are still not sure of that question. If I were to die today, would I be in heaven? They have doubts about their salvation. They have doubts about when I, when I die, am I, am I going to get in? Is God going to love me? Is he going to welcome me into his kingdom, kingdom of heaven? And I want to say this as your pastor, I don't want you to ever have any doubts about whether you're going to heaven or not. Every single person who's listening to my voice today, whether you're here in person or watching online, it's my prayer that by the end of this service today that you'll be absolutely certain that you'll know that you know that if you die tonight, I always say tonight. Why is, is it we always think we're gonna to die tonight? People die in the daytime too, right? <laughs> but if you, if you die tonight, that you go straight into the presence of God. I want you to have that assurance. And I, I don't want you to ever doubt that. I don't want you to ever have any misconceptions. And there are a lot of misconceptions out there. Let's talk about some. Uh, here are three misconceptions unbiblical statements that folks often make when asked, hey, if you were to die tonight, do you have assurance that you go to heaven? Number one, I tried my best to be a good Christian. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, I know I'll be in heaven someday because I tried my best to be a good Christian and hoping on the scale I did more good things than bad things. And for the past six weeks here in Romans, We've been driving home the point, actually, Apostle Paul's been driving home the point over and over that salvation by works is not biblical. That trying your best to be a good Christian is not going to put you in a right relationship with God. It will not get you to heaven. That's salvation by works. And it's not biblical. Secondly, maybe you've heard this before. Somebody asked, hey, you have assurance that you'll go to heaven? And they'll say, well, I believe in God. I really believe I will because I believe in God and I try to do his will. But if you look closely at that statement, you'll notice it's still, there, there's a part of it that's salvation by faith plus works. Did you see that? Plus work. It's a mixture of salvation by faith and works. And it's, it's not correct either. And even this third one, which looks right, I mean, Number three, I believe in God with all my heart. You ever heard somebody say that? I believe in God with all my heart. Now, this one sounds right. It looks right. But if you think about it, even that can be salvation by faith as a work. You know? And here's what I mean. It's possible to say that I believe in him so that makes me a good person. Therefore, God will reward me. Right? From that perspective... You're still working for your salvation in, in order to be rewarded, so that would be an unbiblical view as well. The apostle Paul would say, in all three cases, the person is being quote religious. They're still trying to work for or earn their salvation. So the correct answer can never be because of anything I've done. Right? That's why we need to get straight. I did this, therefore. I've been made acceptable. The correct answer as to why God should allow any of us to be in heaven can only be because of what Jesus has done. That's it. He's done all the work and we can't do any. It's like, it's called a free gift. That's why it's, that's why it is. So all we can do is put our faith and trust in the work that Jesus has already done for us. He's the one. Who died on the cross for our sins. He's he's the one who made our our forgiveness possible. He's the one who rose from the grave to give us eternal life. You know, the book of Romans is often referred to as the Magna Carta of Christian faith. And Paul makes it very clear how God makes us right in his sight, that we are saved by faith. And the word faith is used over 270 times in in the uh, new New International Version, New Living Translation. In in Ephesians 2, 8, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So that's Paul in Ephesians. How is a person made right with God? How, how can we be sure that we're going to heaven? We're saved by faith. And it doesn't take Paul very, very long in chapter 1 of Romans to get to this. Uh, he, he tells us, look at, look at chapter 1 uh, in Romans. It says, this, God, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by what? By faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So how are we saved? How, are, how do we have assurance that we're, we're going to have, that we've been made right with, in God's sight? Paul says it's accomplished from start to finish by faith. Now, some of you, you've heard that all your life, right? You're saved by faith. But what does that really mean? Is it simply a prayer that I pray? Did I pray? And so if it is a prayer, did I pray the right prayer? And the Bible says we're to repent. Well, did I do that right? Uh, Was I sorry enough for my sins that, uh, you know, that God's like, okay. What exactly does saving faith look like? Well, thankfully, in Romans chapter four, where we're at today, we have Paul's analysis of what the faith that saves really is and how we can know that we have it. Paul takes saving faith and he lays it out on a table like you're dissecting something and he's like, here it is. This is what saving faith looks like. And he does it by looking at the faith of one of the most important figures in the Bible, Abraham. And... Uh, In fact, most of all, chapter 4 is on the faith of Abraham, his saving faith. Abraham lived nearly 1,800 years before Jesus was born, and Paul's choice of Abraham was very intentional because Jews considered Abraham to be the father of their faith. And so Paul lays lays it all out here in in chapter 4, and he says, if you really want to know what the faith that saves is, then just look at how Abraham was saved. Because how God worked through Abraham is exactly how God works through all of us, every person. So let's dig in. You ready? Chapter chapter 4, verse 1 says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. And what did he discover about being made right with with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that's not how God, but that's not God's way. Right off the bat, Paul tells us that Abraham was not saved by his good deeds. And he he just kind of carrying that over from chapter one, two, and three. Why? Because salvation's a gift. It can't be earned. And notice there in verse two, Paul contrasts faith with boasting. He's telling us that the opposite of boasting is faith. Uh, And that's so true. I mean, just think about it. Good works done to earn salvation are not really done out of love for God. They're done out of love for ourselves. Have you thought about that before? If I'm trying to do this my own, and I'm, you know, do I do the dishes and laundry home so that my wife will see it, will see me doing it and think, wow, he deserves a reward. You know? <laughs> if so, I'm doing that for myself, right? For selfish reasons. You know, love does for others without wanting anything in return. It's done purely out of love for that other person, not expecting anything in return. So Abraham was not saved by his good deeds. It says if his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have something to boast about, but that was not God's way. Verse three says, for the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, that word counted is one of the coolest words in all of scripture. Uh, and we'll, we'll come back to that. But verse four says, when, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something that they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith. There's that word again, their faith in God who forgives sinners. And verse six says, David, so he brings David in on this, King David. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Verse uh, seven and eight, David says, this is his prayer uh, of thanksgiving. He says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what a joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Anybody rejoicing over that today? Yeah, I mean, so the question we're asking today is what is faith that saves? And how can we be sure that we have it? Now, if you're following along in your outline, number one, faith is a trust transfer. It's a trust transfer. And I'll explain what that means here in a a moment. Uh, Go back to verse 3. Abraham believed God and and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He counted him righteous because of his faith. That word counted here is a very important word. It's used 11 times just in this chapter alone. The word counted in, in Greek is logizomai. (laughs) There's a word you haven't probably heard lately. Logizomai, like an old geezer, logizomai. Uh, It's a banking term. And it means to credit to one's account, to put put in one's account, to impute. Um, And verse 3 in the Amplified Version, it says it like this, Abraham believed and trusted, he relied on God, that it was credited to his account as righteousness, as right living, right standing with God. So God credited his account as righteousness because of his faith. In other words, because Abraham put his faith and trust in God's promise to send salvation, God credited to him, God deposited in his account a righteousness, which Abraham uh, did not own, Uh, or possess in himself. This is the main point of Romans chapter 4. Paul is stating that what salvation is, this is what it's all about. This is the faith that saves us. And he's saying that when you put your faith and trust in what God has done for you on the cross and in his resurrecting power, what happens instantaneously is that God credits your account with his righteousness. Is that good news or what? We told you that it was going to be good news and we're finally here, all right? Let's say you're absolutely broke. Let's say that, and maybe some of you really are. You're broke today, you have $0 in your bank account, but your Uncle Bill died, all right? And, and you're the only living relative left in the family. And Uncle Bill had a will and he left everything to you, all right? And you didn't know it, but Uncle Bill's rich. All right? So $20 million gets directly deposited into your bank account. That deposit now belongs to you. Are you with me? Spiritually speaking, that's exactly what God does for us when we place our full faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. Isn't that good news? The Bible says, He logizomize your account. He, He credits your account as right standing with God. He gives us a righteousness that we didn't have before, that we couldn't even earn if we tried. And how is that? It's by faith. And this is the heart of all Christian theology, folks. You miss this, you miss the whole boat. God credits his righteousness to you. You say, well, how could this be? I mean, I read about Abraham. You read about Abraham? He wasn't perfect. He had sin. And yet God still credited his righteousness to Abraham. You know, Abraham was far from perfect. There were times he failed miserably. Uh, instead of trusting, you know, there were times when instead of trusting in God, he, he he's like, well, I got to, I got to take this on myself. And so he retreated to e- Egypt one time, and Abraham's wife, Sarah, was a beautiful woman. And when they arrived in Egypt, Pharaoh noticed, did knows notice Abraham, he knows her. And instead of trusting God, Abraham told Pharaoh that, yeah, um, Sarah, that's my sister, you know, and why did he say that? So that he wouldn't be killed and, 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 Pharaoh wouldn't take his wife, you know, and kill him. Abraham had flaws just like you and I. And and what what about, I mean, next in our our reading here today, we we even brought up King David. I mean, this guy had graduate level sin, right? (laughs) I mean, you know the story. King David had an affair with his best friend's wife and she got pregnant and David tried to cover it up. And he sent his best friend out to the front lines in the battle so he'd be killed. And he was. And then he married his his best friend's wife so people would think that the baby was his. Uh, And... uh, But Nathan's... David's pastor confronted him about his sin. And David repents. And he said, man, I was wrong. I... I sinned against God and God alone. And that's why he can say in verse 7 and 8, David's words, oh, what a joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what a joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. I'm thankful today, aren't you? And it doesn't matter. It, It can be graduate level sin. It can be. Sin 101. It doesn't matter. It's, it's washed clean. And and when the sincere faith is involved then you turn and go the other way and you don't look back. You say, well, how could this be? How could this be? That God ever credited righteousness to David's account. Well, the answer is the, the same reason God was able to credit righteousness to your account because he credited your sin to Christ's account. He credited your sin to Christ's account. On the cross, Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. And saving faith is placing your faith, your full faith and trust in the fact that on, one, on that cross, Jesus Christ paid for my sin, which satisfies God's requirement. It allows God to credit his righteousness to your account and mine. This is the heart of the Christian faith. Abraham believed God and counted, and God counted and credited him as righteous because of his faith. Now notice that faith here is not just believing in God or believing in Jesus. You've heard me say this before. Faith is not just believing there's a God and believing in Jesus. Specifically, if you'll notice there, you're believing that he accomplished something for you. All right? See the difference? He accomplished this for me. And I'm resting in that. I'm believing in that. He did what he said he'd do. He paid my sin's debt. He credited my account with his righteousness. So, saving faith is a trust transfer. Number two in your outline, saving faith is resting in God's promise. It's resting in God's promise. You know, Abraham's life shows us that the faith that saves rests in God's promise. Let, let me take a moment here and just sh- make sure that you, you understand and you know the story of Abraham. Uh, maybe some of you are new in the faith. God chose Abraham to be the father of nations, right? And that through the seed of Abraham, kings would be born from his bloodline. And in the Old Testament, it was prophesied that Jesus would would one day bring salvation to the world. And you can trace his uh, Hebrew blood directly to the King David and all the way back to Abraham. And this is all recorded in, in Genesis 12. And... The only problem as you, look, as you read Genesis 12 is this Abraham and his wife are in their 70s at this time. They have no kids. And they're like, from our bloodline? And they remain that way even into their 90s. Here they are, 90 some years old, no kids yet. And God says, hey, I'm going to do this through you. And beginning with verse 17, it says, But Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. He says, even when there was no, no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. <laughs> I love that phrase. You know, because when you're almost 100 years old and you still don't have any kids, it'd be easy to give up hope for obvious reasons, right? I mean, blue pill or no pill, it ain't happening. <laughs> you yeah. So, uh, uh, verse 18 says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hope in believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. And so, and Abraham's faith did not weaken, it says. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. That's one way of putting it, you know. Uh, and so was Sarah's womb. Verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. And then verse 20, 21 says, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Oh, he was fully convinced. Hey, God says he's going to have kids through me. I don't care if I'm 100 or what. I'm fully convinced of his promises, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And then verse 23 says, hey, this is not just for Abraham, this saving faith. It's for you and I too. Check it out. When God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and He was raised to life to make us right with God. So, if anyone ever asks you, hey, if you were to die tonight, do you have assurance that you'd be in heaven? What are you going to say? Well, a lot of people mistakenly say because I was good or because I tried my best or because I was sincere, a sincere Christian, I always tried to live out what I believe. Because I, because I is not a good way to start that answer. Okay? The faith that says always starts with the answer because Jesus. Because Jesus. It's never meant to be uh, I. Why? Because, Because any answer that starts with me, IT'S GOING TO REVEAL FAITH BY MY WORK AND NOT FAITH BY HIS WORK. THE FAITH THAT SAVES LEANS COMPLETELY ON OUR HOPE ON WHAT JESUS CHRIST HAS DONE FOR US. WHY, WHY SHOULD GOD LET ME IN HEAVEN? BECAUSE JESUS DIED AND ROSE AND TAKE AWAY MY SINS BECAUSE HE, HE GAVE ME HIS righteousness. HE COUNTED, HE DEPOSITED HIS RIGHTEOUSNESS IN ME. THAT WAS ABRAHAM'S ANSWER. That's my answer. All right? You say, well, answer this. How were people even saved in the Old Testament? I mean, Jesus hadn't even come yet to die on the cross for our sins. Here's the only difference between our faith and Abraham's faith. Right, listen up. Abraham, Abraham looked forward, believing God's promise to send salvation, right? You and I look backward believing he has sent it. He has sent it through Jesus. So that's the only difference. Saving faith is the same. It's just resting in God's promise. Abraham was resting in what God was going to do. He sent in his son. We We rest in God's promise that it's already done for us. He sent his son. Uh... It's a lot like resting and sitting in a chair. All of you came in this morning and you sat in in that seat that you're in right now, which means there there was a moment this morning that you looked at that chair, that seat, and addressed it that it was strong enough to hold you, right? And you transferred the weight of your body from your feet TO THAT SEAT. NOW, you, you, YOU MAY NOT EVEN REMEMBER THAT MOMENT, RIGHT? BUT your, YOUR MIND DID A QUICK SUBCONSCIOUS ASSESSMENT AND YOU COMMITTED YOUR WEIGHT TO IT WHEN YOU SAT DOWN. NOW, IF THAT SEAT HAD NOT BEEN SECURE, hmm, THAT COULD BE KIND OF EMBARRASSING THIS MORNING, RIGHT? OR IT COULD HAVE BEEN PAINFUL a painful experience, but you had full confidence that that seat was going to hold you, and you sat down, right? Saving faith is having full confidence and believing that Jesus' full work on the cross, what he's done will save you, all right? That's, he's good on his promise. What he says is true, that once you put full faith and trust in, in the work of cross, God credits his righteousness to you. He doesn't see your sin anymore. He only sees Jesus' righteousness that covers, it, covers you. So saving faith means that you are resting your whole life on that promise. He's got me covered. Therefore, he died for me. He loves me. I'm given my whole life him, which means you've decided to turn over complete control of your life to him. That's saving faith. And that you are no longer trusting yourself to guide through your life. That that you've surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. He don't call the shots anymore. He does. Jesus said, come follow me. I mean... We're all intelligent people here. If you're not following him, you're not a follower, right? Spiritually speaking, right now, you're either standing, relying on yourself, or you have sat down and surrendered to Jesus Christ. It's one or the other. So faith is resting. Saving faith is resting in God's promise. So how can you and I know that for sure that we are going to heaven, that we are made right with God? Well, we know it has nothing to do with works, right? I mean, we've gone over that. It can't have anything to do with good deeds because the Bible says you cannot earn your salvation. We also know that assurance of our salvation can have nothing to do with our feelings because feelings can come and go like a bad burrito, you know? I mean... You can't, you can't base your, your walk with the Lord on feelings. You know, oh, am I saved? I don't know. I don't feel like it today. I mean, you can watch a movie and get your heartstrings pulled you know, tonight. We should never trust our salvation on our feelings. So what does the assurance of your salvation rest on? It rests it rest in the promise of God's word. Sometimes we sing a song around here A brandy wine that says, I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it. I'll take you at your word. You said your grace is always enough. If you said I'm saved, if you call me yours, I believe it. If God said it, then just know you can take him at his word. Amen? Amen. Because God cannot lie. You ever ask, is there anything God can't do? Yeah, he can't lie. WHAT HE SAYS IS TRUE, AND YOU CAN ALWAYS TRUST the PROMISES THAT HE'S MADE IN HIS WORD, AND YOU CAN REST IN KNOWING THAT WHAT HE SAYS IS TRUE. NUMBER THREE, SAVING FAITH IS A CHOICE. SAVING FAITH IS A CHOICE. YOU SEE, ABRAHAM'S FAITH WAS A CHOICE THAT HE MADE TO PUT HIS faith and trust fully in God's promise to bring salvation. And you know what? He's like, I decided this. It's going to happen. Let's fix up the nursery. The baby's coming. You know, it's, it's just going to happen. And he made a choice to live for the Lord and believe. It was a choice that he made not to rely on his own good deeds, but to trust and God's saving work on the cross. Think about that. Isn't it, isn't the gospel, what Jesus has done for you and I, the best news ever? Isn't it the best? Salvation is a free gift. And I like what Billy Graham said about it. God puts no price tag on the best gift ever. But just like any other gift, salvation isn't ours until we reach out and accept it. What's he saying? It's a choice. you got to choose. If you want God's gift of salvation, it is available. It's available to everyone. But just like any other gift, it's not yours until you reach out and accept it. And how do you accept it? How do you receive it? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that's where he's He's talking about saving faith. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God said it, I believe it. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So everything that we've talked about today, all that God offers us, it's made available to you. But only if you receive it, Saving faith is a choice. His sacrifice does you no good, absolutely no good, if you never accept it or as your own. You know, God could have made you a puppet, but He didn't. He gives you the ability to choose. You have to choose and whether or not you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You have to choose whether or not you're going to love Him above everything else and everyone else. The Bible says you are made right with in God's sight when you trust in Jesus to take away your sins. And this morning, if you feel, now I told you not to work with <laughs> your go and feel this, but that the Holy Spirit does prompt our hearts. And that's, that's God's love. If you feel the tug of, of your heart this morning, just know that's God saying, I love you. And uh, HE'S SAYING, I, I'VE HAD YOU ON MY MIND EVEN BEFORE YOU WERE BORN. I SENT MY SON SO THAT YOU COULD BE IN A RIGHT RELATIONSHIP WITH ME. THAT'S WHY I SENT MY SON, JESUS. AND THE BIBLE SAYS IT MAKES NO DIFFERENCE WHO YOU ARE, WHERE YOU'RE FROM. IF YOU WANT GOD AND YOU'RE READY TO DO AS HE SAYS, THE DOOR IS OPEN. THAT'S THE GOOD NEWS OF THE GOSPEL. In other words, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. If you choose to put your faith and trust in the work of Jesus on the cross, he will take away your sins and and you will instantly be made right in God's sight. He'll he'll impute righteousness into you. But you've got to choose. Because to do nothing is to choose to reject him. The Bible says one day you are going to stand before God on judgment day. And he's going to ask you, why should I accept you into the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven? Did you trust in my son? Did you put your full trust in what he did for you on the cross and the forgiveness of sins? Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Because once you die, it's too late. Right? Today, if you sense God speaking to you, the Bible says, do not harden your heart. Today is a day of salvation. Today is your day to give your life to Christ. Would you like to do that? I'm going to invite you just to bow your head with me and to pray. You can close your eyes and just wipe out all the distractions. Just a holy moment here. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And this morning, if you have never stepped across that line of faith, saving faith, Or if you do not have assurance today and you're like, man, I want to, I want to drive the stake. I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's not about saying all the right words here. I mean, it's, it's the attitude of your heart. That's what God sees. Let let me lead you in a few words. That's going to talk about some important biblical things to know. And if you just agree with this prayer that I'm praying this morning In your heart and mind, just say, me too, Lord, me too. Okay? Let's pray. Because he knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows you, he wants you in his family more than you want to be in his family. So just pray this prayer. Say, Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. Thank you for the choice that you've given each and every one of us here today to accept or reject you, to love or not to love you. And if, if, if your heart desire is to have saving faith today, just humble yourself and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen short many times in my life, and I know that my sin separates me from you. And I realize that if left unforgiven, my sin will separate me from you for all of eternity, the Bible says. So today, because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross, thank you. I'm placing my full faith and trust in his work on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for dying so that I could experience true life. Thank you for paying the full penalty of my sins. If you want to pray and just have assurance this morning, just pray this prayer with me out loud. And no one prays alone. Let's let's do this as a congregation. One voice. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. And I'm putting my trust and my faith not in my works, not in my good deeds, the things that I've done. I put my faith in you. I'm relying on your sacrifice alone to bring me in a right relationship with God. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for depositing your righteousness in me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm resting in your promise today. And from here on out, I want to live my life for you. I want you to be my Lord. You make the decisions from here on out. And I will follow you. God, I want to get to know you. Help me to get, grow closer to you every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen. Can we celebrate those who made that decision today? Yeah. Hey, if you said yes to God today, the Bible says it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by what? Openly declaring your faith that you are saved. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? Oh, I'm openly declaring my faith that that I'm saved. It means be sure and tell someone the decision that you made to follow Jesus. And that's going to drive that decision, that stake even deeper. And it's kind of like, oh, there's my assurance. It was on this day, that Sunday, I made that decision. I went to the yes table and I said, hey, I said yes to God today. They gave me some tools over there to help me to grow and and got me going on the growth track. So be sure and stop by the yes table if you prayed that prayer. Check your box there online and we'd love to send you a new believer's Bible and get you going. And uh, we'll, we'll send you growth, um, the next steps as well. Hey, be, be sure, we're going to sing a closing song here. I've got God's promise. But be sure to stop by the tables on your way out. We're, we're closing just a hair early today, so you've got time to check out all those holiday outreach opportunities. Let's stand. We're taking God at His word. Sing out with Him.